Hello there. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing, listener? What you got going on today? Are you getting ready for Turkey Day? Yes. What are you going to be making this year? Do you cook for Thanksgiving? Mm. Or does someone else cook for you? Do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Yeah. Maybe you're not American. We have a lot of listeners from other countries. That's true. What are you doing the last Thursday of November? I feel like this is very Delilah. <laughs> Delilah. Now we'll play some soothing adult contemporary music. Soft rock. Less talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get into the episode, I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you to everyone. I know we say thank you a lot, but when you take the time to send us a DM or an email telling us how much you like an episode or what you liked specifically about it, or when you share your personal stories, your pictures, I mean, you all provide me with a seemingly never-ending supply of content. Like, I put in a lot of work into curating content yeah. for our social media, but it's also so helpful. It's like a little life preserver over on the side that I know I can always grab and dig into the mini folders filled with photo submissions and use one of those for a post that day. Yeah. And they're always amazing. I love seeing them, even if they don't get shared right away. I always love getting them. So never feel like you're sending too much or that you might bug me if you send them. Just don't get mad at me if I don't post them right away because <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of content. <laughs> <laughs> but also thank you to everybody who shares about the podcast yeah. with your family and your friends and your followers. It really does mean a lot to us. It absolutely does. Thank you. <laughs> like Alanis Morissette would say. Led Zeppelin. Dido. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone. <laughs> <laughs> We're reaching now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's kind of fitting. I actually wasn't thinking about the fact that it's... November, the yeah. month of thankfulness. thankfulness. But we're thankful year round. We are. <laughs> okay, so episode six. This one is called The Substitute. Once upon a time, there lived a girl. She slept in a lovely cottage made of gingerbread and candy. She was always asleep. One morning she woke up. She woke up. This originally came out September 29th, 1994. So we're about to get into the October episodes. True. As we're in November. <laughs> we're just a month off. It's fine. We're a little behind. <laughs> So in this one, we have Mr. Racine who begins substituting in Angela's English class. And he causes quite the stir by, I don't know, inspiring the students to take a stand. And none are more passionate about it than Angela herself. It woke her up. Yes, it did. <laughs> New characters. The only one of note here, I think. Vic Racine, played by Roger Reese. You may also have recognized him as the Sheriff of Rottingham. In Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Oh, was he? Yes. Ah. And sadly, he passed away in 2015. All right. So we've already expressed this is not one of our favorite episodes. But no. 
I mean, I feel like we both still had a lot of stuff we wrote down that we liked that yeah. were favorite moments. I got into it. You want to go first? Yes. My first favorite moment, Mr. Racine coming in hot and chucking all of their writing assignments out the window. <laughs> they were like, what? Yeah. I know Angela was annoyed, as was Krakow. And to be honest, I would have been as well. Because it's yeah. not like that was sitting on the computer. It's like that was the only copy. Right. I did like seeing Mr. Racine taking notice of Jordan mm -hmm. and expecting more of him than it seems that his other teachers have. Yeah. Based on the way Jordan is reacting mm -hmm. to this attention. And I love how at the beginning he's kind of like, you guys can take off if you want. But I don't care. And Jordan's like, what's the catch? You know, and he's like, oh, there's no catch. And then as Jordan like gets up to leave, he's like, well, you know, there is just, you know, one catch. We will be discussing you in your absence. But, you know, if you don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> and he sits back down. And then at another point, he's saying to Jordan, don't you dare play dumb with me again. And Jordan looks embarrassed. Right. But obviously it sparks something in him. We'll talk more about that. Yeah. And of course, Mr. Racine can tell what's up with Jordan because we see later Graham shows up to talk to him about what's going on with the lit and everything. And Mr. Racine is not listening to a word he's saying because Jordan has just walked out and he's pissed because he knows that nobody ever bothered to teach Jordan to read. That kid that just left here, that extremely smart kid. It seems nobody ever bothered to notice that he never quite learned how to read. Yeah. And I mean, he's been there. That was one class period, right? Or maybe was two. a couple days, I was think. A couple days Yeah, in. they yeah. flashed through a lot yeah, of days. quickly. Yes. It was very early on. Right. But I still remember that first time finding out that Jordan can't read. Yeah. And you're just like, oh. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My second one. Krakow refusing to read the sexual letter that we find out eventually that Sharon wrote. His lips taste my ju juicy. <laughs> I refuse to read this. Just overall, Krakow's hellbent on not participating with pretty much anything Mr. Racine is doing. He is not into it. He's very upset. Very resistive. He is. Krakow's not into it. He's no. done. This part never seemed believable to me because I can't imagine it having happened in my school. Right. But I liked when all the kids, like including Rayanne and Ricky, who were not in that English class, showed up to that English class every day. Every day, there were more and more kids in that class. And they were all there just because everyone was talking about Mr. Racine and his mismatched socks. Right. <laughs> you know, and like Rayanne was hot for him. I was worried once again, like another relationship like that, where I was worried that something was going to happen between him and either Angela or Rayanne or, you know, somebody. Yeah. Luckily, that didn't happen. And I also like the montage where they're showing them all like piled up in the class with candles burning everywhere. And it just seems so cool and fun. And But then I'm like, the adult in me is like, isn't that a fire hazard? Like that yeah. would never fly. And what about the other classes that these kids yes. have? Like you can't just willy-nilly decide where you're going to go to class that day. Right. And the school doesn't look that big. Like it right. looks probably about the size my school was. Mm -hmm. And I, we never would have gotten away with like a big group of kids no. going to another class every day for like, a, it was at least a week, I would say. Yeah. My only thought was perhaps some of these other kids were in like a study hall. Yeah, but and we just still had to show out. up for study hall. Yeah. But I mean, you could kind of sneak out of there. 
<laughs> Not in my school. No? I mean, maybe I was just such a rule follower, so I never even thought to do anything like that. But Well, we only had like one teacher or I think it was the librarian. There was only one librarian in there and there was two sides of the library. So you'd have your study hall and library. So it was super easy. Like if she was just looking the other way, just boop, pop out the door. Hmm. I bet nowadays that never would fly. No. Like even less than I think it would have flown in the 90s. Right. So my third moment, I love Mr. Racine calling Patty out for her attempt at censorship because nothing annoys me more than censorship. I hate it so much. It drives me batty. So this episode probably gets you real pumped up. It does. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of it either. Right. Although it's funny because it's like we get this conversation between the two of them. But he's also being a little slimy. He's like, oh, your husband's very lucky. Yeah. He's definitely hitting on her. Yeah. And then he calls Graham fragile. Right. Like, oh, you're emasculating him. (laughs) Okay. Like, yeah. He's just that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. But then to do that with a kid's parent, like I know he's not an actual teacher, but like Mr. Racine, not what he seems. He's just flawed. (laughs) Flawed human being. Next up for me, Sharon and Rayanne bonding they're having a bathroom moment because rayanne realizes that sharon is the one who wrote the risque poem haiku for him (laughs) (laughs) and it's kind of funny because like sharon doesn't want anybody to know that she wrote it Mm -hmm. rayanne likes the fact that everyone thinks she wrote it oh god do you know how over my life will be when people find out i wrote it do you know how over mine's gonna be when they find out i didn't So they agree that they're just going to continue letting everyone think Rayanne wrote it. Yeah, that's the narrative. Yes. But I like how, you know, then Rayanne's like, oh, but tell me about, you know, like your inspiration. And then she's like, my favorite part is when they become the furnace. So mine follows right after that. Angela blasting into the restroom, breaking up Sharon and Rayanne's little bonding session. Take that, Rayanne. That's how that feels. <laughs> yeah, Rayanne just did that to her the week before. She did. Or the episode before. Right. But again, like, even though Angela's coming in to tell them about the lit, you know, she can't help but notice. Yeah, she's the two like. two of them look like they're getting along. What is going on here? Mm-hmm. Very similar look on her face to how Rayanne looked when she came in. Like, what's right. going on here between the two of you? Yep. <laughs> this line. Just crack the two of us up. Angela is sitting at the dinner table with her parents. They're talking about what's going on at school and Mr. Racine, or as the kids call him, Vic. Vic. He's an adult I can look up to. Finally. (laughs) Finally. Finally. Her parents are like, oh. The wounded looks on their faces. Oh, man. Oh, it was great. My next favorite is also at the dinner table where Angela is talking about like the options that they have to protest and fight against the censorship that happened at school with the lip. Danielle is just trying to talk over Angela. She's constantly talking about how many cookies she sold, all this kind of stuff. You would not believe how many boxes of Thin Mints Mrs. Castillo bought. Nine. Listen, Danielle, nobody cares about (laughs) your cookies. Poor Danielle. I think I say poor Danielle every single episode. I know. Nobody pays attention to her at all. No, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) next up this is when mr racine gives angela a ride home and brian krakow is rolling up on his bike as per usual looking at them with disdain yes and he just looks at angela and he just straight up says those are like anyone's car you won't get into (laughs) (laughs) the shade from krakow like take it easy man 
I mean, listen, he's seen Angela. He saw her get into like some rando's car to go to that rave. She's gotten in Jordan Catalano's car, which I'm sure is the one he's really referring to. Yep. But even she got in his car. She got in his car to hide out. Right. (laughs) So it is kind of funny. I mean, we definitely laughed. (laughs) But also it's like, you are such a jealous little bitch. She is a jealous little (laughs) bitch. All right, I actually have two more moments. Wow, you have more than me. Yeah, yeah, I outdid you this one. So my next one, how upset Jordan gets after they fire Mr. Racine. Krakow says, All that crap about honesty and truth. What a jerk. He didn't even teach. But Jordan comes straight back at him saying, He did teach. What? He was the best teacher I ever had. So passionate, Jordan Very Catalano. Passionate. Yes. It's like the most sentences we've heard out of his mouth <laughs> yeah, in the, a row. <laughs> right. And the most he's ever like cared about anything yes. so far. Yep. Somebody took an interest in him as far as helping him learn. Yeah. It actually is is pretty sweet. It, it is. Makes me a little teary. Yeah. <laughs> And my final favorite moment, man, we're booking through this. We are. Again, we played Angela's poem at the beginning. And it's funny because it really does, when you first hear it, it's kind of just like, sounds pretty, but what does it mean? Right. And the same thing happened in class. You know, they're just like, it doesn't make sense. And Mr. Racine is like, it doesn't have to make sense. It makes you feel something, you know? And I liked the fact that at the end of the episode... You hear the voiceover of Angela reading the poem as she's just walking through the halls looking at everyone. And she says, she woke up. She woke up. And it just feels so dramatic. But it's like, you know, she's realizing that things aren't always as they seem. Right. You know, and she's having some sort of awakening. Yeah. You know, as we all do, even now, but especially as a teenager, you start to realize things. And sometimes the wool is pulled from over your eyes a little bit. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow. First of all, these are actual people all around me. All these people are, mm-hmm. you know, they have lives. Teachers. Because at the beginning, yeah. she's talking about, you know, how it's so fascinating to look at teachers and think about what they actually do in their yeah, they're people. time, you know. They yeah. could put on the wrong socks. Yes. You know, they may not know everything or be all put together. Right. And even though they're saying things that speak to you and that are making you think about things in a way you've never thought, they could still be a deadbeat dad and yeah. leave their family. And disappoint people in their lives. Right. And not even know your real name. Mm-hmm. I hated that. That's yeah. the least favorite moment for you when Mr. Racine calls Angela Amanda. Amanda. And so it's like suddenly she's like, oh. Yeah. Okay. You we didn't have that connection. I thought we did. Exactly. I kind of, we had a teacher, not exactly like this, right? But we had the cool teacher in school, right? Where he did teach things a little bit differently and it did engage you more so than other courses or maybe somebody doing the same course. But, Mm. you know, he wasn't quite this extreme. Yeah. (laughs) And nobody was leaving study hall or their class to come to social studies with that teacher. Also, Vic apparently didn't have anything to lose because that wasn't even his name. Nope. You know, he's just running. He is. And then he like tells Angela she should drop out of school. Like, what is that? She's just like. No. I don't think that leaving school is the answer or leaving anything. Yeah. Running away is not the answer, Vic. Yeah. Or whatever Whatever your name is. is. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Angela's willingness to get suspended over taking a stand about all the censorship. I mean, that spoke to me because I feel like we're revolt buddies. You know, I led my revolt over dirty silverware and she did hers over censorship. Yeah. The difference is, is that you actually got in trouble for what you did. She did not. She did not. She was actually disappointed that 
the principal let her off the hook. Yeah, which I didn't buy. Like a principal <laughs> has to show power, you know, that you do something like that, you're going to get in trouble. She was directly disobedient to his orders. Yeah, but I think it was a case of like, she's a good kid. She's never done anything before. And her parents seem nice. And he's just like, she didn't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though she's like, yeah, I did mean it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's my last moment. Okay. And least favorite moments for me, even though it might be kind of disguised as a sweet moment when they're getting ready to go in to talk to Mr. Foster, the principal, you know, Patty and Graham show up to mm-hmm. go in with Angela and Graham kind of stops her as they're walking in. And he's like reassuring Angela that what happened in Mr. Racine's family, because we found out Mr. Racine abandoned his family, right. deadbeat dad, reassuring her that that would never happen in their family. Right. He's like, you know that, right? And Patty comes and just grabs Angela, you know, let's go. And she's like, of course she knows that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just this moment of like, he knows Angela knows. Right. And we know too, Graham. Yes. And poor Patty is just like, why would you even say that to her? Of course she knows that. Yep. Of course she's secure in our family's stability. Mm-hmm. So it just, it was another thing. It's like, I've always loved Graham, but looking at it like so closely as we're covering it, I'm getting more and more pissed off at Graham. Right. <laughs> <sighs> so my least favorites are kind of small, right? Mr. Racine's toothpick is annoying. <laughs> He's always got a toothpick in his mouth. He always does. He's offering it to other people. Yeah. And then the kids like start copying them. They've got their toothpicks, all that. Not my favorite. And also, as mentioned before, both Patty and Principal Foster's attempt at censorship. Lame. Thanks. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know what? Patty didn't have a problem until the haiku for him. Yeah. Although I guess maybe that was the only thing that Mr. Foster was really upset with too, which is kind of silly. It's just one. Right. I think it would be different if it was just like an erotic collection of poems. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's literally one and it's not that bad. The things that we would read in Seventeen magazine about how we would get pregnant without having sex were way worse. Absolutely. (laughs) Than anything you were going to read. And and your parents were like buying that for you. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Silly. Very silly. All right. It's time for fashion. Our fashion corner. Your very favorite section. (laughs) (laughs) Well... This time, it appears you've only written two things down, and I've written about 15 things down. So we'll let you go ahead and get yours out of the way. All right. Get mine out of the way so you can have your soliloquy. (laughs) Jordan has this stripe, long sleeve shirt on early on. Horizontal stripes. Horizontal stripes, light blue with brown. It's just very, uh, very fitting of the times. It is. It's a cool shirt. And then secondly, Ricky's got on these like light colored overalls, but he's he's got this purple shirt that's got big sunflowers all over him. It's a a pretty sweet outfit. It's a good one. I love that outfit. Yeah. So this episode, like we said before, they run through days really quickly at the beginning of the episode Mm -hmm. to show the progression of how many kids roll into that class. And there are so many outfits. Like it was impossible to notate every outfit. Yeah, we would have to sit there with it paused for two hours. Exactly. It was really hard to keep up. But at least we know that it's pretty much guaranteed that anything we missed that we're not talking about here will probably be repeated. Yes. So, Angela. At one point, she's got a burgundy, gray, and cream plaid vest over a long-sleeved emerald green shirt. 
And then she's got her sweater that we see her wear a lot. I think she may even be wearing it on the cover of the the DVDs. Mm -hmm. It's definitely in some of the promo photos that they did. It's a cream sweater. It almost looks like a vest. It's kind of confusing a little bit because it almost looks like she's just wearing a cream sweater vest with a green shirt that has like yellow and navy stripes on it. Right. But the sleeves are actually attached. But it's like different material. Like the sweater is like a chunky sweater. And then the sleeves are like kind of a different material. Right. But then she's also got like, you know, always with the layers, she's got a brown shirt underneath that. And then she's wearing her red and white boxers with brown tights under them and brown boots. It's quite the look. Quite the outfit. (laughs) I was commenting on it when we were watching it. I was just like, who puts this all together? I don't I don't understand it, but it works. It does. So she's wearing her cords again, which is kind of like a very monochrome look because the cords are kind of burgundy looking over a burgundy shirt or maroon, maroon. you may want to say. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, it looks like she's wearing some PJ pants. They're just like wide legged, light gray pants, which I don't recall ever noticing before. No. And then I think this is her cutest look this episode. She's wearing some denim overalls over a black and white striped tank top with her red and white plaid flannel over it. And then she's wearing some Mary Janes and socks. Her cuffs of her overalls are rolled up a little bit. Yeah, she looked like 1994 there. She did. All right, Sharon, this is, I believe, because I don't think we saw it last episode, because last episode was where she and Kyle first started dating. This one, she is officially wearing his Letterman jacket Mm -hmm. in almost every scene. In one case, it looks like she has nothing on under the Letterman jacket, and the Letterman jacket's like kind of hanging off her shoulder a little bit. At one point, she's wearing like a brownish button down that has like a little small pattern on it. It looked like some of the shirts that I had from The Gap. (laughs) Might have been from The Gap. Yeah. And then she's also wearing like her blue long sleeve dress with the white flowers on it and the blue scrunchie high upon her head. (laughs) Jordan has that same blue plaid flannel, but he's wearing it over like the shirt is buttoned, but you can see just a tiny little bit of a green Henley underneath. And then the next day he's wearing the green Henley, just Uh the green Henley without the plaid. So we know that he's wearing the same shirt two days in a row, which I feel like is pretty on brand for Jordan. Sure. There's only one plaid shirt here that I don't think we've seen yet. And it just, it had some light teal in it. And I liked it a lot. I didn't notice it. (laughs) Yeah. Ricky, at one point, he's got this royal blue shirt that has plaid in the sleeves and on the collar. And the plaid is like green, black, red, and yellow. And these bright green pants. Yes. And then another time he's wearing a vest that just has different color rectangles on it. And it's over this bright coral shirt. I love that one too. Rayanne has this one dress that she's wearing. It just has like navy and some yellow stripes with like a mustard jacket over it. And then, though, I love the outfit that she's wearing when she's in the bathroom with Sharon. Yeah. It's like this teal green Western shirt that's buttoned up, but it's open and she's wearing like a bra top. And then she has this like blue and red scrunchie. Like she and Sharon are almost matching with how high their scrunchie is. Their high hair scrunchies. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, I think this is the first time we see his number three t-shirt. Oh. Unless I just wasn't paying attention to anything he wore before this. I hadn't noticed it yet either. But I know it's one that we see a lot later, you know, throughout. But I I feel like this is the first time he's wearing like an olive color jacket over it. And then Patty has her navy. It's either navy or charcoal. I couldn't quite tell because the lighting made it look different at different times. This suit that she's wearing when she goes to see Mr. Racine and she has like a striped shirt underneath it. That's again like navy, green, mustard. It's a lot of the same colors used here. It was the 90s. (laughs) And then it looks like she's got some sunflower earrings on there. Sunflowers, very big in the 90s. Huge. It was a very big time for sunflowers. 
And when they go meet with the principal, she's wearing this brown button down with either a black or navy vest. Once again, with the lighting, I can't tell. Sometimes it looks navy, sometimes it looks black. And then it has like brown embroidery on it that matches the brown shirt. Mm -hmm. Very fancy and businessy. And that's all I have for fashion. That's it. That's it. It's a good list. I know I missed a lot, but. Well, like you said, it was really, really fast as they pan through these various scenes. Like it was really hard to catch anything while watching it and still like taking in the episode. Right. It's a challenge in this one. Yeah, that, that's it. It's like you want to pay attention still to what's going on. And there are sometimes, of course, Brian is usually just wearing something boring that's not even worth mentioning. And then like Rayanne, you know, her outfits are so, sometimes there's so much going on that you would have to pause it and study it in great detail to even make out what's happening. Right. Because there were a few outfits that were like really. Yeah, they just got a lot going on. So much, like more than I've even seen yet so far. But I was like, I can't even begin to break this outfit down right now. It's like layering on the level of David from the Lost Boys. Okay, signs of the time slash nostalgic memories. I will admit that there are not as many this time that stood out to me as usual. Yeah, and I had none. <laughs> I was trying to do my homework, but I don't know. I, I was even looking for it. I just couldn't find anything that struck a chord in this one. Yeah, so the only things I wrote down, the episode starts and there's no teacher in the class. And so the kids are being unruly and they're listening to music on a boombox. And What About Your Friends by TLC is playing. So that was fun. That is good. <laughs> I noticed that Graham and Patty are unloading the trunk with their groceries and they're all, you know, paper grocery bags, which I know that they still exist. But I think that this was before plastic became an option. That could be wrong. But I, I know, know that yeah. I don't remember my mom ever bringing home groceries that were not in a paper bag when I was growing up. And then one day they started offering plastic bags. Yep. I can remember going to Wegmans up in Western New York and they used to have this conveyor line where you would set your paper bags on them, right? But it was a whole bunch of like essentially metal wheels, like small like roller skate wheels in this whole thing that started on the inside of the store right after you would check out with your groceries. Then you could lay them all down on this conveyor line and push them all out to the outside. I don't know why it was there because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like you'd have a shopping cart, right? But mm -hmm. it used to fascinate me. Huh. I wanted us to put bags on it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote down Girl Scout cookies, which of course they still have Girl Scouts now. But it just reminded me because I was in Girl Scouts. It reminded me of that feeling of when the cookies came in and being so excited to mm -hmm. get them to everyone. But also just being like wowed to have that many boxes in your house, you know, in one place. It's like gold. Yes. And it also reminded me, though, of other school fundraisers that we did growing up. And I know you went to a private school. Right. So I don't know if you did the same kind of thing. Oh, we did. But I did a quick search to try to refresh my memory and see if I could find like the names of like the catalogs that we had that you could show people and they would decide what they wanted. And then they'd have to write the number down on the back. Oh, and yeah, that's the right. Price that they were going to pay. And yeah. I couldn't find that. But again, it was a quick search. I was also reminded of the candy bars, which we did a lot of different types of candy bars. But I remember like the world's finest chocolate bars. And when I see <laughs> those with like the gold wrapper inside, yeah. that brings back so many memories. And we 
we also did this other brand. I can't think of the name of it now. And then we also would do just regular. I remember having the big, like the four pack of Reese cups. And Oh, you'd sell Reese cups? Yes. Like actual Reese yes, cups? Yes, like brand name. Wow. You know, the popular kind of candy. I yeah. remember doing like, I think there were maybe Kit Kats and the boxes of M&Ms. So you'd have plain M&Ms and peanut M&Ms. For those that may have missed it before, if I did tell it. So we would do the candy bar fundraisers at my private school. But, you know, a couple things happened with that. Like I'd be going around the neighborhood trying to sell them. And inevitably the questions would come up. Oh, this is for Holly school. I'm like, oh, no, this is for Golden Heights. And they'd be like, oh, no, thank you. And they wouldn't buy my candy bars. (laughs) But I also got into a trap where, you know, I love candy (laughs) and I love chocolate in particular. And it's just sitting there. And Yeah, it's just sitting there and I would really never have it, right? Like it's not like every time I'd go to the grocery store with my family, I'd get a chocolate bar. So it was, I mean, it was too much temptation. Yeah. And I would eat my way through... (laughs) You know, $30 (laughs) worth of chocolate bars. Yeah. But like, you know, the crackle ones, because I love the crackles. And I'd have to figure out how to, you know, (laughs) pay that back in the end. (laughs) Like, what was I doing? I did it too. I mean, I didn't eat that many, but I would sneak some sometimes. I would probably eat a box, maybe two. Like a box full of like 30 or something? Yeah. (laughs) And I would hide the the wrappers. Rappers <laughs> on the back side of my bed. And I remember going back there and like counting how many I'd eaten. Oh my god! I'm like, what am I gonna do? Because they were they were a dollar a piece or something yeah. like that. I'm like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? <laughs> but they're so good. They were so good. Once I was like, get these lips, out of here. It's so good. <laughs> oh man. Also, did you ever sell like the gourmet popcorn in the tins? No, but my grandmother or aunt would get me that for Christmas. Not okay. every year, but I'd usually have it. So, I'd, you know, it'd have like colored popcorn in there or yeah, you had, caramel. Usually it was the trio. So it yeah. would be like white cheddar, cheddar and caramel. Yes. Or caramel. Delicious. Caramel. How my some people absolute favorite. We would always get those because my dad loved popcorn. Ah. Uh. Do they my still mom make those? still has the tins, like, and they're like Christmas. They're big, themed. right? Yeah, big tins. Mm-hmm. Or she might actually have just gotten rid of them. We found uh, them in the attic. Yeah. And then I did see some pages from some of the catalogs, and they were ringing some bells for me. One of them called Snowbells. They looked like these little snow people that were actually bells. Hmm. I remember some Christmas items, and there was also like some Santa and Mrs. Claus candles that looked familiar. I don't know. This was a rabbit hole that, like, I had to pull myself out of so we could come record but i was like oh is that what you were just doing yes so i was like note to self come back and revisit this and so if any of you have any stories or names of maybe the catalogs that we used to use in school i'm sure it was different for everybody but you know there has to be some people that have the same stuff I yeah have. or do you still have the catalog send photos of oh it or that would something. be amazing be awesome so anyway at least you know it sparked that memory for me. This was just a little fun fact that I saw. So in this episode, Angela's parents mention that they don't have a basement when they're reading the poem, yeah. the haiku for him, because, you know, it says that they're in the basement of love. And, you know, they're trying to make sure that it's not Angela. Right. You know, and they're like, we don't even have a basement. But in a later episode, and now we'll notice it when it comes, and I, I'm pretty sure I remember, Graham is in their basement getting wallpaper. Oh, that's right. So they do have a basement. Little continuity error. Yeah. They forgot about the basement of love. Angela could have been in that basement uh-huh. of love. So that's it. That's it. We did we, it. We did it. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. No. I think it's kind of fun 
revisiting it in a way where I have to dig in, I have to pay attention because I have a newfound appreciation for this episode. Yes, I didn't dislike it as much as I thought I would either. I actually got into it. Yes. You know, it's a little Dead Poet Society, but not. Yeah. But it's a good episode. It is. They're all good episodes. Worth a watch. Yes. Again, you only get 19 of them. Enjoy them. You got to soak them all in. Soak them all in. (laughs) Very exciting news, though. Next up, we have episode seven, Why Jordan Can't Read. Can't wait. Just know there are some untouchables here that already will be my favorite moments. You can't have them. All right, all right. Listen, <laughs> I shall give them to you, my dear. I know. I will not stand in between you and Catalano. <laughs> Favorite moments. <laughs> Thanks. If you love the podcast and you want to stay connected, you can find us on Instagram at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can email us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod at gmail.com. You can also find us on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. We've got our Facebook group, The Cozy Club, fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. And if you would like to help support the podcast or just have access to 40 plus bonus episodes, you can come over to our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. You can donate $4 or more per month and that helps support the podcast and what we've got going on. And it also makes us happy. That's right. (laughs) All right. Hope you have a great rest of your day and we will see you next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. Gives Angela a ride home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you gotta say it more naturally. This is when Mr. Racing gives Angela a ride home. Skip it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh.